Again, basketball dumb guy over here. Sorry. I hate On the that. dumb podcast. I just want someone, if they can do Photoshop, I just want the Photoshop of like the Iwo Jima scene. But it's Brad, it's Brad holding up the Redskins flag. Mike, look, you're going to have to put less sauce on mine. Because I can't, I can't deal with all that ketchup sauce. Yeah, I mean, it is funny. Like, were you like a go to go to bed early type guy? Like, I was like I'm, I'm, I don't know, but like, yeah, that's what I was talking about. Oh, I hated it. I would have stayed up all night. Yeah, for sure, I would have too. And I don't know. I think I was right there in the middle. I can't remember my actual bedtime, but like we eight thirty sharp, boys. Eight thirty sharp. I think I got nine, and then yeah. But- did. And then eventually, my, my got nine. like whenever I was Kay- whenever I was like Kaylee's age, I finally got like ten, uh, like ten o'clock. Yeah. That was huge. I think by maybe fifth or sixth grade, I got nine o'clock. Yeah, but uh, absurd. Eight thirty. I barely get home from work. Well, it's funny because literally it'll be seven forty-five, and Kaylee's friend will come knocking on the door. It's like. Can Kaylee come out to play? I'm like, she's in, she's almost in bed. <laughs> so, no. So Kaylee's always been a sleeper, huh? She could sleep probably 20 hours in a day. I think like, it's actually like a narcolepsy type thing. No, no, she doesn't like nod out, but if you just go, hey, go to sleep, she'll go to like, sleep. Oh, yeah. She'll go to sleep right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, that makes parenting easier. For sure. She was never. Uh, what always killed me was West Coast baseball on school nights. I would, I had this kind of big radio that I would listen to the games on. And I'd try to sneak it under my pillow. You know how mad I would be when you when you flip open the paper to see what's the score, and it goes game was you know too late yeah. or whatever. You're like yeah. you're like son yeah. of a bitch. <laughs> now I gotta trifle through all the. Uh... Oh, this is going to be a lot better, I think. Oh, my goodness. So much better. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm tear waving. He's back. Again. Okay. I'm just glad I wasn't the one screwing up. That's all it is. No, I think it's just like any any computer problem. Oh, yeah. Rebooting it. and And I've noticed for the last three or four days on Google Chrome, the update thing, you know, like in the top right corner. It's been telling me to update, and I haven't done it, so I did that, too. Who knows? Yeah. So, yeah, you guys look normal. You're moving at normal speed. I'm moving at normal speed. The audio, do I sound okay? You sound sound perfect. Okay. Are you talking too close into your mic? Because you sound a little buzzy at times. Sorry. I'm probably just talking to – I'm just – I'm on the the computer mic. Yeah, no, it sounds good. Was he buzzy or was uh, I? I would have to go to. I would have more options. Let's see. <laughs> Settings. Here we go. Can all I right. can I record all this, Mark, and just? Yeah, okay. yeah this <laughs> is. Uh, I hope stand by. I want this to be all unfiltered here. I just. This is perfect. 
Oh, now he's off. Well, folks. Okay, can you hear me? Hey, we got him. Hello, hello. Okay. How about now? Why was, was it yeah, better? Sounds good. Yeah. Okay. That sound better to you? Yeah. Oh yeah, I was just. Yeah. I, was, I don't know. I think we're set. Yeah, I just plugged in my uh, microphone rather than use the computer, the little computer mic. I plugged in the microphone that I had plugged in earlier. But then when I plug that in, then I have to go figure out my settings because it mutes the speaker and and it's just yeah. So we did it. Yeah, we did it, and it's it's really All right, Brad. it's Let's go. it's really Let's frustrating. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's really frustrating whenever you have the voice of the Mavs and you don't have the voice of the Mavs. Like, yeah, <laughs> just like, hello, we have it now. Hello, take a screenshot of him. <laughs> hello, freaking Louis. He watches us talk. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, welcome, Mark. Uh, uh, we don't we don't have the access to Dirk, so we do. Man, use... I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, I was going to say. We we won up the ticket. They get the Dirk show. We get the Mark show. Yeah, that's it's a yearly tradition. No, not yeah, not not, not Mark show. It's Mark Day. Mark Day. Yeah. 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 Right. We won up the ticket. Yes, we have Mark Day. <laughs> well, anybody could have Mark every week, but we yeah. <laughs> we get him once a year. So yeah, and we we do it for free. Yeah, and uninterrupted for an hour. Yeah. No joke. <laughs> Un, un, uninterrupted, unfiltered, uncensored. I mean, it's just the yeah. whole thing. Yeah, that's like totally. a whole week. Of, that's like a whole week of ticket segments in one day. It's pretty incredible. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, it's great to have you back. Uh, I, I, I didn't even think about it because I, I just, I just assume Mark's not going to want to do this. That's all. <laughs> oh, for sure. Every every time you're like, really? All right, well, okay. Yeah, but Jacob think, asks, so you know that's what that's what gets it done. Is Jacob asks. Well, and what's funny, because it was, what, two or three weeks ago, I was out at the bar with my friends, and I was drunk, and I just randomly texted Brad out of the blue. I said, time to get Mark on. <laughs> I don't know why I thought of that. I go, Brad well, that was the production meeting behind this? Yeah, yeah. There, but my response was, I guess it is that time of year. We've got to yeah, get I this. Said, We're a little late, actually. Yeah. We used to do it in June. Is it? I thought it was. Think, uh... No, yeah, well, it's, yeah, okay, maybe it's. No, July. July. Sorry. We'll get one of our interns to look that up. About a month late. Um, Well, again, great to have you back. Um, Should we do that? Are you sure? He's not not lying, guys. All right. So I want to know where where have you traveled this offseason? Because you always have the best travel stories. So this offseason, we've made two trips to the Cabo San Lucas area. Okay. Yes. Yes. So one was for my wife's birthday, and that was in early June. And then we decided to go back. Uh, We just got back. We were there last week. And part of the reason that I was really into the idea of going back is, well, you know, a couple of reasons. Number one is I think as the years have gone by, we've sort of gravitated to enjoying our trips to the Pacific side of Mexico a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, like we went to Tulum last year and we went in June and it rained the whole time. And that was a real downer. That's good for and, the crops. And it, yes, good for, good for <laughs> agriculture. Yes, you're right on that. Uh, not so good for vacation. Uh, and, and the other thing that's happening, too, and I don't know how much you guys are, are, are paying attention to this. And if you aren't, that's no big deal. But uh, do believe to climate change and warming ocean temperatures. 
uh, a particular form of algae slash seaweed called sargassum is getting way out of control on beaches throughout the Caribbean. I have heard about that. Yeah. Uh, I think I noticed that on my last trip to Cancun. It was yes. kind of a problem. So we went last year and it rained and the beaches had like mounds and mounds of sargassum on, on the beach. Okay. So uh, we decided this year we were going to Cabo. We went for, for Jennifer's birthday. And then we went back this past month because it was just an easy trip to make uh, with limited vacation time. And the other thing was that there was a particular place I really wanted to go because I saw some pictures of it the last time that we were down there and I'd never heard of it before. And so it was a, a, a place called Playa Balandra. It was a beach outside of La Paz, which is about a two hour drive from the air, airport that you land in. If you go to the Cabo San Lucas or San Jose del Cabo, you know, yep. that whole little Cabo. Right. I've, yep. been, I've been in La Paz. Yes. You have. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I have. Yeah. So we went to Playa Balandra. Uh, which is a beach that is a natural protected area. So there's no development there and there's limited capacity, which is even further limited due to COVID restrictions. So they let people in for a shift from eight in the morning until one in the afternoon. And then another group of people gets to go to the beach from two to seven. So to be one of the people that makes it out onto the beach at 8 a.m. in the morning on a Monday morning, we went and we, you know, we felt like if we went on a Monday, then it would be a little bit easier than going on a weekend. So we were in line in our car to go to the beach at 740 in the morning. Which is really weird, I feel like, you know, to be in line to go to the beach. <laughs> in line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was uh, it was worth it. It was a 25 minute drive from La Paz where we were staying. And uh, it's just a really, really cool beach that is very calm and very tranquil and clear water and just uh, a really neat, very picturesque place. And I put some pictures on Instagram and Twitter after we went there last week. So it, uh, that's, been, uh, that's been the main thing for travel this summer. Um, I was going to try to go to Big Bend, but it's just been so damn hot this summer that even somebody who embraces and loves heat yeah, uh, a hiking trip to Big Ben has you know I've been put off from that just from from how hot and dry it's been this summer. So this this is the first year of my life where it's been too hot for me with a mixture of age and record temperatures. Yeah, so last time it was this hot, I was twenty six and I could bear it a little better. I, I I've been indoors a lot this summer. It's I just, still feel like I can bear it okay, but it's just gotten to be the uh, as the old gray wolf used to say when he hosted Afternoon Drive and would talk about the summers and. We, we get into these days stretching into mind-numbing perpetuity. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I felt like that that's what this summer has been, mind-numbing perpetuity of hot weather. And it's it's even beaten me down, somebody who likes the hot weather. So uh, yep. so that, that was going to be on my travels this summer to go to Big Bend because I've been to Guadalupe Mountains National Park and hiked to the uh, the quote-unquote top of Texas, Guadalupe Peak. I did that a few years ago. But nice. uh, as a native Texan, I cannot – freaking believe i've never been to big bend um and so i had done the research and had like kind of my three days of hiking planned out was going to fly to midland and then rent a car and drive the rest of the way and it's just i haven't done it this summer because of the stupid heat i think um, i think most people underrate that you could probably do about 10 years worth of travel just in texas yes like you could each summer there's there's definitely a place each year you could find Especially if you're an outdoors type, because mm -hmm. all these state parks, I want to hit every state park, and it's going to take my whole life to do it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah there's great park. state parks, I mean, especially in the hill country. 
I yep. mean, Longhorn Cavern, I haven't been to that in forever. We went to the cave with no name and Bernie uh, last year in, in the spring of 2021. That was our spring. That was our uh, all-star break trip in 2021. Rather than go to, to Puerto Vallarta or somewhere in Mexico or something like that, we went to San Antonio and hung out with some friends and played pickleball one day and went to the cave with no name and Bernie. Uh, I'm glad you pronounced that correctly. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Most people, uh, it's not called Born, Lost, Texas. Lost Maples uh, Recreation Area. I mean, I guess that's not technically a state park. It's a state recreation area that's around the Vanderpool uh, Lakey area down there, uh, out west of San Antonio, out northwest of San Antonio. That's a great hiking area. There's like a really random, like if we're on the subject of how much uh, travel you can do in Texas. Let me see if I can find this place. I'm looking at my phone here while we're talking about this. I'm going to get a drink. Uh, uh, so have you guys ever heard of the Pandale River crossing before? Pandale. Have you heard, have you heard of that? I have not. So it's, it's in the middle of nowhere. I'm looking at a map right now, and it's southwest of Ozona. So if you think about where Ozona and Sonora are on Interstate 10 between – Van Horn and San Antonio, or yeah. between, you know, if you want to get a little bit more, uh, shrink the area down between like Fort, Stock- Fort Stockton and Junction. Yeah, yeah. So I know exactly what it is. Southwest, it looks like it's probably about 50 miles north of the Rio Grande. It's due north of Langtree, Texas, which is on the border to the northwest of Del Rio. Looks like probably maybe it's an hour northwest of Del Rio. So there's a place called the Pandale River Crossing. Yep, uh, and It's yeah. on the Pecos River. And that's something that a buddy of mine told me about. He said, you know, if you want to get out, like if you like that West Texas uh, kind of kind of uh, escape and environment. And all that. Yeah, it's uh, it's a really neat place. I've never been to that. I have been to Caprock Canyons. That's a cool state. Yeah. Have but you seen? Uh, have you gone to the theater out there? I have not gone to the theater at Paladero Canyon. Yeah, you got to go to that. Yeah, I have not oh, been. I have not seen the uh, the the play that they do oh. every summer in Texas. I have not. Mark, seen it's that. so cool. Put yeah. that on your list. But hey, Brad, make sure you're recording this Capra. so we have these notes to go back. And this. <laughs> okay, I'm, a, I'm writing them down right now. So, But, yeah. but you're right. I mean, uh, to the earlier point, to Brad's earlier point, you could do endless amounts of travel and never leave Texas because of just all the unique things that there are. For sure. I mean, so real yeah. quick, um, I just had a question about Cabo. Are you a deep sea fisher? I have never been deep sea fishing. I just like it because it's just great weather it's not gonna rain it's warm yeah. you know it's just yeah so i i'm not a deep sea fishing type i'd like to go try that sometime but i've never done it. you know i almost got sucked into buying a property out in, in cabo dude <laughs> they made such a good pitch man i want to hear more about this because like, <laughs> i meant to say it was kind of like a uh it was like a timeshare presentation but it, it's oh, gotcha. like okay. timeshare is actually they were trying to sell you real estate yeah, and the price is good. You're right there on the ocean, and um, man, I really considered it for a while. Well, so I, w- I would say, um, so like I said, I'd been to La Paz because uh, back in 2014 they had the the big hurricane over there that basically destroyed uh, Cabo San Lucas. Right. So I had to uh, bra- humble brag here. My only uh, private plane I ever ever boarded was on that plane because it was the only plane we could get even remotely close to Cabo. 
Right. And, and we could only fly into La Paz because the uh, the uh, airport got destroyed. So um, also about Cabo San Lucas, I learned is that a major a, a lot of people who go there are all Canadian. Yeah, it's it's yeah. kind of the same in Cancun too, though. They spend about six months out in there and in, in, uh, in Cabo San Lucas. So, so have yeah. you guys heard of uh, Busarias, which is uh, a, a village? Fish, it's, I mean, they say it's a fishing village, but it's gotten a lot bigger than that. But if you land at the airport in Puerto Vallarta and drive about thirty minutes north, and you actually leave out of the state of Jalisco and you go into the state of Nayarit, they have this area called the Riviera Nayarit. And Busarias and Sayulita are some town, and Puntamita. These are some towns in this particular area, and so Busarias is like that as well. And we've been there and heard that that like has one of the biggest collection of Canadian travelers during the snowbird traveling season during the winter season that there is. And so there's a huge, uh, growing retirement community in Busarias, Mexico, about 30 minutes north of Puerto Vallarta. Fun facts about Mexico. Who yeah, knew we were gonna? Have we got them all, dude. Well, yeah. I have quite the list. Let's go. I need a promotion. Are you talking about for just the travel or for everything else? But, okay. We would be doing yeah, a little bit of a disservice if we didn't speak on uh, the Dallas Mavericks. Um, I kind of want to do that at the top, but I guess travel talk took over that, but that's fine. Yeah. yeah that's, I, was, that's, that's, I was wanting the Mavs people great. to come in. Awesome. <laughs> I just wanted the Mavs no, people to come in and off. listen and then – is whenever we get into like uh, AEW versus WWE, they can all kind of like go all like yeah. I don't, no, I don't we wanted to stay for that too. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Yeah, um, uh, so the Mavs, please explain to me what's going on with the Mavs right now. I'm uh, I'm I see what's up with basketball. Yeah, what is up with <laughs> basketball? Question there. Yeah. Well, uh, do you have anything a little more? Let's narrow it down. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I mean, a little I more do. specific is you want me to get into. I do. I do. I have a specific question. How what excited did I... should I be for Kristen Wood? That's my biggest question. Okay. All right. All right. I'm serious. That's a good question. All right. All right. I was like, is that guy? Is he really on the team? Okay. Good. Yes, he is. Yes. Okay. Cool. So that was. Look, I love the trade because they traded four players who were non-rotation players in the postseason last year right. for somebody theoretically who should be a playoff rotation player. So this, of course, will be the question that you have to ask if we're going to look at it from the whole big picture standpoint with Wood. Very talented, has put up good numbers in Detroit right before the 2019-2020 the season was shut down due to the pandemic. Then signed a good contract with Houston. You know, had his first really, kind of really big numbers with uh with um uh Detroit and then signed the deal with Houston after after that season. So he's put up numbers, but then the question you've got to ask is how will those numbers that he's put up on bad teams translate to the kind of numbers that he can put up on a team and contribute to the framework of winning? You know, I think that we all should adjust our expectations of, I mean, I believe that this past year, I think he averaged 19 points, 18 or 19 points and almost 9.8 or 9.9 rebounds a game. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think we should probably adjust those expectations a little bit because, you know, theoretically moving from a team that was record-wise one of the worst in the league in Houston to a team like Dallas, then with more talent on it, then presumably, um, you know, he won't have to carry as much of a load. He won't be counted on as much. There won't be as many opportunities to score within the flow of the game. 
So hopefully he can still be a super efficient player, which he was with Houston, shooting well over 50% on twos and almost 40% on threes. Uh, you know, get a, still continue to get a good percentage of rebounds. But also we would expect that his numbers would go down a little bit just because he's now playing within the framework of a winning team rather than just accumulating stats on a not good team. So that's that's sort of my general feeling on Wood. I'm excited to have him here. I think he's a playoff rotation player. But I also think that odds are I think we would be doing the smart thing to just make sure to adjust our expectations a little bit about what the actual stats will look like. But okay, so but we do consider him to be a strong contributor, right? Maybe just maybe not like a all-star starter. Right, that- right. Yeah, not like that. But no, he's a he's a playoff rotation player. So and if he doesn't turn into a playoff rotation player, then you know, I think that, that would we would all walk away. I don't think that will happen, but we would all walk away from that being disappointed. Well, so how how so how's it gonna okay? So I it looks like they're getting a little heavy at center. Did I hear right that they're planning on starting JaVel McGee? Uh, that seems to be – well, that's what Jason Kidd said in, in Summer League. He, yeah. he had an interview on ESPN in Summer League where he said McGee would be the starter. So what I would anticipate going into the year – and Brian and I have kicked this around in our podcast. We have not really heard this part of it officially. Obviously, the McGee thing, Jay Kidd addressed it in Summer League that he would start. So he'll right. play the Powell role, and that's – uh, 20 minutes a game of the regular season, and then hopefully can play uh, mid-teens, 12 to 15 minutes a game in the playoffs. Now the question then becomes, who else are you going to start around McGee on the front line? Are you going to go with uh, Finney Smith and Bullock, which was very successful to do in the playoffs last year? And I would think that that would be the smart thing to do. And then so would who to me is more suited to be a center than he is a power forward, although he can stretch the floor. But I think ideally that he's playing off the bench, but he's still playing 28 to 30 minutes a game, but he's coming off the bench as a five out big man, as a big man who can. So what is that? So where's that? that Somewhat out of the rotation. Really? Play some, if there's foul trouble or injuries or situational. With this contract? It's an expiring deal. Yeah. Okay. That's good then. So that's probably, is that, um, are you thinking that's what the plan is then? Looking for a trade partner for him? Uh, not necessarily looking for it, but okay. I, mean, I think we all understand that expiring deals have value. Yes. Or potentially have value. So that could be something that presents itself before the summer comes to a conclusion or obviously, you know, over the beginning of the, the season before the deadline. I think that's, and yep. if I understand, yep. if I kind of understand how how that would work, a, a team would trade for Dwight Powell if uh, they were trying to dip into free agency next year, and there's a really strong free agency class. Is is that kind of kind of the deal? Uh, well, you would do it not necessarily because you're trying to dip. Complicated question. You could do it for that reason, but you also could just do it because you're trying to get off longer term money, and yeah. you feel like that you're at a place in the life cycle of your franchise where you want to try to rebuild. And so you don't want veterans on longer contracts. You want to move your longer term contracts. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah the NBA. The, so NBA yeah, the, cap has always been a mystery to me. Yeah. The, the value of the, of the firing contract is, is a number of different things. It could be to help a team get off money for luxury tax purposes, moving down the road. Mm-hmm. It can be yeah. because they want to rebuild or it can be, as you said, Jacob, because 
they're clearing cap room because they want to get involved in the free agency chase during the offseason. So there's any number of reasons why expiring contracts can hold value to, you know, the right trade partner in the right situation. Okay. Um, so another hold question. On, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I think, Go for it. Can, can I be in the podcast? Or? Well, I didn't <laughs> want to talk about basketball. I was, well, what I was trying to frame the question as was just how this team is. I mean, you're losing Brunson. There wasn't, I mean, you had Christian Wood was added in. Was there any mm-hmm. other additions? I'm not. Uh, and McGee. Okay. Yeah, um, McGee is a free agent. Okay, McGee was a free agent. Okay. And now you have Tim Hardaway Jr. coming back. Tim too. Hardaway Jr. coming back, like comparable. Do they really need to add any more, or is this team, you know, going to be pretty on par with what they were last year, or maybe a tiny bit better? I mean, that's kind of what I was uh, kind of. What is the expectations for this team? You know, th- well, for so, this year. Well. A lot of ways I could go with that. Mm-hmm. Number one, success creates expectation. So, of course, I think everyone's going to go into the season with expectation of another very good regular season to put yourself in position for another exciting playoff run that goes as far, if not farther, than what you had last year. I mean, I think everybody's going to go into the season with that mindset. Uh, obviously, every season is full of twists and turns, and you don't know what's going to happen, but I think every team's going to go, or the Mavericks are going to go into the year thinking that way. Uh, as far as what else they need, they do still have an open roster spot. Uh, you know, whether or not that's hedging their bets to see, okay, maybe a trade is going to materialize. I mean, look, there's still this sort of weird place. And and bear with me, Brad, because I think there's a lot of there's just a lot of ways to go with your question. And there's yeah. just there's there's a lot of uncertainty this offseason. So so just I think it's going to take a little while for us to kind of sort through all of the different possibilities. I know it's I know it seems early to kind of answer that question, but it's just like as it's sitting well, now. What though, but, yeah. but but I don't think it is early in a typical offseason. <clears throat> in a normal offseason, mm-hmm. everybody by the middle of August has done their business mm-hmm. and people are just getting ready. So what's new, what's unique about this offseason is that there's this sort of unsettled thing with what's going to happen with Durant, mm-hmm. what's going to happen with Donovan Mitchell, who may or may not be traded by Utah. You know, the, supposedly the Athletic reported today that the Knicks and Jazz have sort of reengaged here very recently on Donovan Mitchell trade talks. So that would open up a whole, you know, that if if Utah trades Mitchell, then obviously that makes other players in their team maybe even more available than they already might be in trades. Beverly, Bogdanovich, Conley, Jordan Clarkson. I mean, and you could, you could envision like half of their roster being available in trades if they decide, okay, we're going to go ahead and fully push the button on detonating things and rebuild. And Donovan Mitchell's traded to the Knicks, and we get all these draft picks back, and we might as well move all these other veterans, like the players I just mentioned, Bogdanovich, Beverly Conley, Clarkson. So, you know, we don't know what's going to happen in Brooklyn. So there's a lot still unsettled in this offseason. So that that leaves the question open, are the Mavericks holding open this one roster spot? Because at this point, anybody that's out there in free agency is probably also going to still be there when you're a week or two away from training camp in September. And so you're just kind of waiting to see what the aftermath is of the remainder of the off season. Will something finally happen with Durant that leads to other dominoes falling? Will something happen with Donovan Mitchell that leads to other dominoes falling around the league? By the way, of course, there's the Lakers and what might happen with Westbrook. 
what might happen with Kyrie Irving and Brooklyn. There's just, there's a lot to me, there's a lot of uncertainty around big names in the league, which means that maybe the Mavs get in on that in some way, not that they're trading for one of the big names, but there's some sort of residual impact that leads to them making a trade to upgrade their team. So what do they still need? Well, they still have this open roster spot and whether or not it gets filled by a free agent signing right before camp, or whether or not they get involved in the trade market as one of the residual impacts of one of these other big moves that could happen, or they just kind of bide their time and wait for something to happen in the season. The bottom line is this. Um, they've lost Brunson. We know this team was at its best last year when two playmakers were on the floor. You can start Luca and Dinwiddie. I mean, you can say that, okay, well, Dinwiddie's just going to replace Brunson. And I don't necessarily have a lot of pushback to that. But what I would say, if you're going to look at it that way, is, well, then who's going to replace Dinwiddie coming off the bench mm-hmm. from last year? You know, so Luca and Brunson started, Dinwiddie came off the bench, and you could play two playmakers most of the time that way. Luca and Brunson to start, and then Luca and Dinwiddie, and then Luca sits, and you play Dinwiddie and Brunson together. You're always playing two playmakers, two playmakers, two wings, and one big was the best lineups that Dallas would put on right. the floor last year. So they're short in that regard. Uh, you know, their other playmaker at this point is Nilakina. You know, mm-hmm. he's, he's the third playmaker, and he's more of a defensive-oriented specialist. I mean, he can initiate offense a little bit, but I think that, you know, before the end of next year, you know, they can go into the beginning of the season maybe kind of feeling this still out. But if they want to be the best version of themselves – come playoff time next year, then I think this team still needs another playmaker. Yeah, I agree. I I think I, I think I was agreeing in the sense of like, again, it's, um, it was early, but like, we have no idea what's, how this season is going to roll on. I I still think it's, it's a very talented team. Again, dude, it's kind of like, uh, well, you have the best player in the game. Exactly. Well, I was trying to make the point of like, you know, yeah. are we the best band? And the Eagles look at it and goes, well, we're not, we, maybe we are, but we have Don Henley. I mean, like, that's, we're good, you know, <laughs> like, you know, like, we'll figure this out. And it's not a set in stone that we got to, we got to start with these guys. We're going to end with these guys. It's things can happen yeah. all throughout the year. So that's why I was yeah. the only point I, I thought I was making, but it's fine. Yeah, well, I think that, uh, you know, to answer your question uh, of what do they need, I, lo- I like what they've done with Wood and McGee. So, you know, McGee is what you feel like is a more, is, is a version of Powell that gives you more defense and rebounding. Mm-hmm. I think that's, you know, I think the numbers would, would strongly missed. support that. Yep. Uh, Wood gives you somebody who, assuming that they're going to play him in a significant role off the bench, I don't have that confirmed. But, you know, we'll obviously find that out at the beginning of training camp. But that's to be the thing that makes the most sense to me is if you're going to start McGee, that I don't think that you want to start McGee and Wood together where Wood's playing the, the, the four and having to chase, you know, other mobile fours around on the perimeter. He's probably more suited to being a five, but still playing and playing off the bench, but playing a lot of minutes. Um, so I think that you you've upgraded your bench, especially with Hardaway coming back, as Jacob said earlier. You've upgraded the center position, but you know you've obviously lost something at your playmaking spot on the floor with Brunson leaving, and now you have two starting quality playmakers rather than three, and that's something I think that you've got to you've got to figure out at some point in time, whether or not it's in the time we have left before the start of training camp or early in the season or at the deadline. 
at some point before next year's playoffs. I mean, I think that's it's pretty clear that that has to be addressed in some form or fashion. Okay. So <clears throat> it took us 16 minutes into Mavs talk to even bring up Luca. That's pretty wild. I, I, yeah. I mean, it was just, again, we know he's there. It's like, yeah. it's it's really everyone else. He's fine. It's just everyone yeah. else. Well, I think what's exciting about Luca, Jacob, is that he's playing this summer. He's played in FIBA World Cup qualifiers and played well. Uh, now they're tuning up for the Eurobasket competition that's going to start here in a couple of weeks. So what's exciting to me is that Luca's playing a lot of basketball this summer and playing at a high level and working on his conditioning where he's going to be, you know, hopefully. And, uh, you know, I know this is a, an overused saying in sports, but hopefully he's in the best shape of his life to start a season when he comes in here, you know, at the beginning of the season here in a few weeks for training camp. I think that's the that's the exciting thing about Luca. Uh, you know, if you were going to say like, what does he need to improve upon? I mean, I think that's where you would, where you so, would look at. I, I just, I have a question and it's not necessarily, I'm not trying to make the argument that it doesn't matter, but Luca's skill set is just, it seems to me it's a lot of that. It's a lot of skill, a lot of not like it, the way he uses his eyes, the way he, he sees the court. Mm -hmm. um just his skills he's not like a runner jumper you know dunk over people guy so mm -hmm. I, I know it can't hurt him to be in better shape but why is it such a big deal with him is it just endurance throughout a game like uh maybe and not even throughout a game maybe but throughout a season not yeah. getting tired because he hasn't sure. been injury prone yeah no i think so. it's it's a couple of things number one he attacks the paint a lot so there's a lot of physical contact that he has to endure. Now, uh, I think last year, early in the season, if you'll recall, his numbers finishing around the basket were down a little bit. And I felt like that maybe that had something to do with not being in as good of a shape at the beginning of last season. Okay. Uh, you know, and so you don't have the legs or the ability to finish the contacts because you're a little more fatigued. And so that that's one thing. But I think in the bigger picture, it's exactly what you said. He has to carry a very, you know, the team is built and constructed in such a way. And his game is such that he has a tremendous workload on him throughout the game on offense. And then he's got to be able to hold his own on defense because you don't want situations like that happen a couple of times in the Phoenix series where they tried to attack him. And then they were successful. And by the way, to his credit, I mean, he really rebounded from that part of the, the Phoenix series early on when they were getting him involved in all the pick and rolls. Remember that, uh, you know, late in game, yep. game, game two. Yep. Uh, you know, he really rebounded from that. And I thought handled himself a lot better on the defensive end of the floor for the remainder of the series. But he has such a heavy workload to carry that you want him to be an optimal condition possible because, you know, uh, otherwise – then what's going to happen is some of the things that we've seen in the past that have happened is after a long season or after at the end of a game in an intense, high-level competitive game in a playoff series where he's carried so much of a workload and gotten so little rest and he's playing hard minutes, all those minutes he's playing are not easy minutes, that, yeah, that he wears down and so he's not able to make – he's missing some shots in the fourth quarter and, you know, 
fatigue affects you mentally. And so maybe there's a mental mistake or a turnover or something like that. I think that's where, I mean, all of your points about his game are spot on, but I still think that from a conditioning standpoint, you want to be the best you can be because of the endurance factor of dealing with the heavy workload over the course of the game and over the course of the season. I want to kind of in Mark can speak upon this, but like, I think people sometimes do forget though, like uh, as far as Dirk's off seasons, like Dirk worked his ass off and he, he didn't have like the build of like a LeBron or some, some guys who's like really muscular. The guy was super, I mean, super strong. And like you said, going into the paint, you, you, you've got to, you can't just go up there and just kind of, you know, kind of nudge them out of the way. They're not going to move. So you have to have that strength there. And, um, you know, and another thing I was going to talk about with Luca, I get what Jacob's saying. It's like, well, come on. You're like, he's the best shooter in the league. Whatever. It doesn't matter. He doesn't need, but it is Uh, a little funny. Like, I I know I'm saying, but it's like, it is a little funny. Like I'm not the best shape, but whenever I watch basketball, I do want the guy to be in way better shape than I am. And I don't look, (laughs) and I don't look at Luca and go, yeah, man, he's in so much better shape than I am. And I'm not trying to be mean to him, but it is what it is. I mean, again, he's so phenomenal. But, yeah, it is something that would be like, man, if you could get Luca on some regimen, something crazy, like where he is just in a phenomenal shape, not where he's got to be super muscular or anything like that, somewhere he's got a huge endurance, where he's he's got his strength to, like you say, get in the paint. But there's got to be something there. And, and, you know, I know I hate to sound like the old fogies. I know that some people were like, Oh, he doesn't work out. He just plays video games all summer or whatever, or whatever he does. And I'm like, I don't think he's doing that. I think he does that, yeah. you know, when he gets Not home at the, yeah, he gets home, you know, at the end of the night, maybe. But you know, I I think that is a very very important, and I think he would be even fucking better than what he is now if he was just in phenomenal shape. So, well, I think two things on that. You know, uh, number one, he does want to carry a little bit more weight because he wants to be able to post people up. Yeah. So there is an advance. So, so, you know, there is a balance that you're trying to achieve of be in great physical cardiovascular condition, but also you don't want to slim down too much. You still want the weight to be able to, to be able to post people up and then score and yell at them and say, you're too fucking small and all the things. (laughs) All the things that he yelled at. Yeah. Uh, So you you want that, of course. But the other thing, too, is, you know, you brought up Dirk and Dirk did have an incredible offseason regimen. But Dirk himself has said over the years that he still didn't learn the finer points of taking care of his body. And in terms of diet, stretching, yoga, those sorts of things that prolonged his career at the end, uh, you know, uh, cutting out alcohol during long stretches of the season. I mean, a lot of the things that Dirk implemented into his regimen over the course of time were things that he didn't do until he was 26, 27, 28 years old. You know, there were, there were things that Dirk didn't adapt in his career until later on. So Lucas, you know, he's 23, you know, 23 years old. So, so that's, you know, he's, he's, by his own admission last year during the playoffs, he's still learning. And that means, you know, uh, as it relates to things on the floor and then things off the floor about what you have to do, because this is now a 12 month out of the year job. And so by all accounts, he's been doing some great work this summer and can't wait to see what he looks like when he gets back. Well, I was going to ask, I I was going to, because I figured you were probably watching him playing overseas. Like, 
it, he has to be killing it right now, right? Or is he doing? Uh, well? he is he doing great well? in a, they, they played a friendly against Turkey the other day, and I didn't see, I didn't watch the FIBA qualifiers. I didn't get the subscription service that you needed to watch, so I only saw highlights. But the numbers were great. The highlights have looked good. Um, you know, the thing, the clips that I see on Twitter look great. I mean, he looked like Luca. He's, you know, he's playing with his countrymen. He's having fun. He's in a competition, you know, and getting ready for a competition that they've won in the past. So obviously something that's very near and dear to him to compete in Eurobasket that they won in 2017 when Dragic was the MVP of the tournament. So, you know, he's he's uh, you know, he's got uh, competitions just like the Olympics last year, which were very, very meaningful to him uh, because it was Slovenia in the Olympics for the first time. And, you know, I think he just loves that stage of international competition. I think it's very important to him, much like competing for Germany was very important for Dirk. I think competing for Slovenia is very, very important for Luca, And he's, uh, you know, he's been at the top of his game from everything I've seen this summer. All right, Jacob, go All ahead. Right, I have one more Mavs question, and then we can keep talking about Mavs. But this is my last question. Yeah, talk about as much Mavs as you want, man. Sure, yeah. Um, okay, so the defense was much better last year, but I remember kind of hearing, probably from you on the ticket, that a lot of the adjustments, you know, um, Jason Kidd you know, had his own schemes and whatnot but a lot of it was effort-based and that kind of took a toll on guys like you know finney smith and bullock late Mm -hmm. in the postseason um so with what you might define as an effort-based defense is that sustainable going into this season or there you know like with the addition of christian wood are there certain adjustments they're going to make to kind of take some of the pressure off of just pure athleticism on defense and still maintain that high level of production from defense no i mean i think you're looking at the same i don't think anything is changing systemically um you know you hope that that wood can can play the minutes off the bench that he needs to play and hold his own defensively i think he's better suited to play the five uh than he is the four um and i still think you're looking at you know bullock and finney smith having a heavy workload and you know what look if you were going to talk about something else that the mavericks needed and by the way they uh, the the Maverick Brain Trust themselves alluded to this going into free agency uh, that getting more depth at wing would be something that they would want to do. So yeah. you don't have to play Finney Smith and Bullock forty plus minutes in playoff games, and those guys wear down the way that it looked like that they were worn down yeah. by by the end of the Golden State series. And that's another thing, by the way, that they didn't address this summer so they're either depending on uh also addressing that in some sort of trade that might materialize here before the season starts or once the season has started um is josh green better and ready to step into a larger role uh he certainly improved from year one to year two can he make a similar jump in his game from year two to year three you know that would be something else that you would look at uh to try to to try to you know bolster to your wing depth. But yeah, that's, that's, I don't think anything's going to change defensively for them. You know, Kleba is still a big part of what they do defensively. I mean, he's a, he's a big man, but he's a mobile big man who can guard multiple positions. Finney Smith and Bullock, like I said, are going to have a, a heavy workload. Uh, right now, the way the rotation shapes up, I would assume that Nilakina is kind of a part of it. You know, he's kind of this hybrid wing ball handler that at least is playing some in the regular season and giving you something from a from from filling you know uh, some of the minutes on both of those voids that i think they have wing depth and uh and uh 
a little bit more playmaking. So, yeah, there's that's that's a good question, and I think that's something else that they'll have to kind of you know see see where they're at as the season starts and where Green is. And you know, obviously Hardaway is kind of part of their improved wing depth, but I think of his contributions more on the offensive end of the floor than I do on the defensive end of the floor. Green's yeah, Australian. I'm excited for Hardaway to come back. Say what? I'm excited for Hardaway to come back. I was also saying that. Yeah. I was also saying that Green is Australian. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just looking at his yeah. thing. I'm like, oh, he's I Australian. Was, I thought that's what you said, and it's like, well, that's that's kind of a non sequitur, Brad. But yes, he is. <laughs> that's all I'm here okay. for, guys. <laughs> so yeah, he uh, he was born in Australia and lived there until he was 14, and then his family moved to Arizona to you know for better opportunities basketball wise, and so he played high school basketball in the Phoenix area. And then went to University of Arizona for a year, and the Mavs drafted him after you know after a one and done season at Arizona. Well, that was one guy I was looking through the roster, and I go, I have no idea who that guy is, like yeah. almost no right. idea. So watch yeah, he played time. he played sixty some odd games, I think, last year. Yeah. You know, he was not in the rotation early in the year, and then he got into the rotation by the early part of December. And in the regular season, he was a eighteen minute wing player off the bench essentially from the beginning of December until the end of the year. And he was also the uh, key to a lot of people's frustrations with Carlisle. Yeah, I mean, well, one of many. Yeah, one of many young players that were the key to people's frustrations with Rick in his time. I had no idea JaVel McGee was 270 freaking pounds. Yeah, he's uh, he's seven feet tall, man. <laughs> yeah. Indeed. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, look, you can be yeah. feet tall but, like uh, – I, well, I mean, Chet Holmgren is certainly nowhere near 270 pounds. Right. Sha- Shaquille was over 300. <laughs> I mean <laughs> – So I think uh, there was another – I just always pictured him as a slender guy. Yeah, no, he's a pretty meaty dude. There was something else that you asked a minute ago whenever Brad was saying something about Josh Green. You you asked something to Jacob. There was something else about the Mavs, and I can't remember what it was. Oh, I'm so sorry. I fucked that up. No, it's okay. Oh, just I was just looking at the roster, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm excited to see Hardaway come back, especially since he's oh, like yes. one yes. million a year. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. That's what I wanted to address. I'm, yes. I'm glad you brought yes, that yes, up. Yes, yes, yeah, okay. I wanted because, to talk about that, too. Because he was a 39% on a high volume of attempts three-point shooter two years ago. And then last year, just never really got on track. I mean, he had some good games, obviously, but just was not nearly as consistent. And I think whenever he got hurt last year in late January, he was something like 33.7, 33.8 was his three-point percentage after it had been over 39 on a Mm -hmm. high volume of attempts the year before. So they did miss that last year, and obviously they figured it out with their playoff run, but they, they missed somebody who could provide some more offense and who was, uh, you know, a consistent feared three point shooter in the way that he was in the playoff series against the Clippers the year before. So that is something that will certainly, you know, going into the year, you have to look at that as a plus from the Maverick team that was in the playoffs. One thing we kind of look back at is, well, they didn't have much in the way of offense off the bench. If Dinwiddie didn't have a big game, scoring the yeah. ball then there was yeah. no offense to speak of off the bench unless it was one of those nights like when Kleba hit you know the eight threes <laughs> and had 25 points in that game against the Jazz in the first round I think it was game two yeah the game two the game the first game that they won after they lost game one his three-point shooting performance was a big part of winning game two so you know I, I think that's one of the th- reasons they feel excited about their bench this year is because Wood if in fact he's coming off the bench and Hardaway bolster something that was an area of 
you know, weakness, unless Dinwiddie was good, it was, you know, it was certainly an area of weakness in the playoffs. Yeah, one of the dumb reasons I thought the Mavs were going to win it all last year is because of Tim Hardaway being injured, and I just said that he was this year's Karan Butler. Karan Butler, yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. That is yeah. Kind of, that's something that gets overlooked with that title team is they did that without Karan Butler, who I think was, like, one of their leading scorers before he got hurt that year. Yeah, yeah. No, that was – that was an incre- one of many incredible storylines. Yeah. What if he would have ruined it too? Right. Like yeah. just having yeah. it there. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, he takes the ball from Dirk in the playoffs. <laughs> exactly. He starts shooting. Ruined him it is a weird. It is is is. It's not the word I would use for it, but I do think that you bring up an interesting point of everything fell together so perfectly, and everybody had like these incredible roles that they played to a T. And, you know, I, I don't remember if you guys I, I don't know if you guys remember a lot of what I was saying on the ticket at that point in time. Mm-hmm. But that year, what I thought was the essence of that run was that it was a group of veteran players. And think of guys who had been all stars were or had been all stars in their career. Obviously, Derek was still an all star level, but uh, Jason Kidd, multi time all star. Sean Marion had been a multi time all star. Uh, Peja Stoyakovich had been a multi Yeah. Jason Terry had not been an all-star, but he'd won six man of the year. Tyson hadn't been an all-star, but he was going to end up having one all-star appearance, you know, later on in his career and his time with New York, but he still had accomplished some things in his career. And so you had this group of veteran players and a lot, many, many of those guys had individual accolades in their career. They yeah. already had a bunch of those. And what they all didn't have was a ring. And I just thought that that brought the best out of everybody. And you think, you would think, well, everybody's playing at their best in the playoffs, aren't they? But I do think that there is this like little imperceptible difference between, you know, being 92% invested in everything that you're doing and being like 100% totally locked in giving yourself to the team in every way possible during a run. I do think there's this little imperceptible difference to the eye, but it's just being around it. I felt like that I was, I was seeing it and feeling it. And then when you have these games that are decided sometimes by, and I know the Mavs had a lot of playoff blowouts, a lot of out of character, uh, not close games in the playoffs, but a lot of times the playoffs are defined by games that are decided by two or three possessions at the end. And you know, I think that that little bit of extra intangible focus, desire, willingness, realization that we've got to do it now or we may never do this in our careers. You know, I just yeah. think that can be the one thing that can make the difference in those two or three possessions in a game to put you over the top. And that's something I've always looked back at with the Mavs title team. So to your point, Brad, I mean, you never know if, I mean, Karan obviously would have been great, but, you know, Absolutely. does he missed a shot when somebody would have made a shot or something like that. You just never know. And you I think can't mess with the butterfly effect. Yeah, you, so. you, you can't mess with it. Everything mm-hmm. fell into place so perfectly that you just never know how the introduction of one other thing into it might have just you know changed the balance of things just enough where it didn't turn out the same way. You just never know. So what you just said about that 92% versus 100, I think that's a learned skill. And I wonder if that's the series where LeBron really learned it, watch, watching them or losing to the Mavs. Maybe so. Yeah. I think there's that, that's an interesting question you pose. And LeBron, I think, 
to be honest with you, I think he's sort of alluded to that through the course of his career, yeah. that there are things that he learned out of that series with the Mavericks that made him a better player and was maybe the final piece to the puzzle to him getting over the hump as a champion. You're welcome, LeBron. Yeah. <laughs> I always, you know, and and he did say this in some interviews. I always felt like, and maybe maybe this has worn off a little bit, but you know, there for a while, whether it was with Miami or whether it was with Cleveland, the Mavericks in regular season games like lost nine or ten straight to LeBron, LeBron teams, whether it was Miami or Cleveland after those finals. And I felt like that for a long stretch of LeBron's career, whether or not the faces, you know, the faces would change. But the uniform always get his attention in a certain way. And I think, you know, again, I think there's interviews where he sort of alluded to that, that he always, you know, the, you know, he learned great lessons out of that series. So the Mavericks were the cause of like something very painful for him in his career. And so there was a stretch of time in his career when he always got a little extra motivated to play against them in regular season games. And I mean, he was part of just destroying the Mavs in some games in 2013, yeah. 2015, that time frame. For sure. He can, he could have won 10 more, but we got them that one time, you know, I, that's, that's always yeah. with me. It's a beautiful thing, man. You know, he it's could have won them all thing. after that, but we got them that one time. That was just, yeah, I still get chills about that. Um, Brad, do you have any more basketball? Uh, I got one about uh, Deshaun Stevenson. Uh, I did look what? up because we started knocking out those names and I go, Oh, Deshaun Stevenson. I got in my head and I, yeah, he just okay. recently, he recently sold his ring for uh uh, no. seventy three thousand. Oh, he sold his ring for seventy three thousand dollars, which I don't think is yeah. enough. Taxes on that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I didn't know that, man. I did. I did not that. know that. You didn't know that? Yeah, it was pretty big news. No, I, no. I I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know the I didn't know the amount. I had to look that up, but I remember that he put it up for auction. So, poor guy. Has he played in the big three? Hmm. Uh. Yeah. The took his talents to the big three, where he led. Uh, da, ba, da, ba, da. Yeah. Yeah, had a bunch of yeah. He had uh, led the big three and three pointers made back in 2018. Yeah, so I knew I thought he had played. I didn't realize it had been that far back. But yeah, he played in the big three, and I had no idea that. Uh, I guess the financial situation forced him to do that. That's sad, man. How much would you sell your Mavs ring for? <laughs> uh, I would want more than seventy three thousand. Yeah, there you go. There you go. It's got to be a little bit more than that. Yeah, that'd be tough. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nice keepsake. So, yeah, I would want a little bit more. Yeah, really? Yeah, no joke. Well, if you want to give it away, I'll take it. That's a, that's like a hey, all right, tiny's so, house worth, whatever. All right. Is that all of basketball? Let's go for it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Mark, are you Liverpool or Arsenal? Arsenal, right? Arsenal. Yeah, I actually have a shirt on right uh, now. Yeah, I couldn't see it. Yeah. Yep. Okay. That's right. I was wondering. Fuck the right, Spurs. So I'm ha- actually a Bournemouth fan, so if you want to put a little wager on the game, maybe give me a goal. <laughs> uh, we'll talk. We'll yeah. talk. <laughs> off to a nice start this year. I know. Real Jesus had a couple of goals the other day, and so uh, they the game against Crystal Palace on the first Friday of the season, they probably should have had more than two goals in that game. They had opportunities, and they finally took advantage in the first half. Martinelli scored, and then they kept yeah. pressing, and they ended up forcing an own goal in the Is second half. Is that all or so nothing? Guys, yeah, they guys are- look good. Is that all that or, or nothing? Uh, aren't they on that show now? All or nothing right now? I just said that. I, I have not watched it, but yes, they are. That, oh, okay, that I didn't is, know if anybody watched I heard it was actually fairly good. Yes, yeah, I have I, heard, I've heard good things about it as well. 
I hope we can play y'all well, but we're a little uh, underspent. I'm an Arsenal fan too, but I gave up on them when I realized, oh, I just added another team to just kick me in the nuts. Like, thank you very much. I don't need any more of those. You know, especially when I was like, oh, there's been some frustrating times. Yeah. But, but, you know, the one thing they have done is they have won, like, in the time that I've really been kind of locked in on it. I mean, they've won the FA Cup like four times over mm-hmm. the course of the last 10 years. And so those runs have been fun. Um, you know, they beat, I mean, some of the finals have been a little anticlimactic. They played Aston Villa in the final. Uh, I think that was maybe like 2015 or something like that. Uh, but they had an incredible, you know, where they went into it against Hull City, you would think is a big time favorite, and then went down two nothing in the first 10 minutes of the game, and then had to come back and ended up winning three two after extra time. Gotcha. Uh, but you know, there was one year they beat Chelsea in the final, and so they've had you know, those have been some fun finals and some fun runs to watch. At least those guys, those guys win something. They had a good run in Europa League, you know, they made it to the final one year in Europa League. That was that was fun to watch as well. Um, you know, watching those FA Cup runs, honestly, is like, is why I hope the, you know, I know that I'm kind of on an island by myself about this, but I do hope that the NBA adopts this concept of an in-season tournament. Heck uh, yeah, I want that. I want that know, in all sports. Well, I want that in baseball too. Yeah, it would be nice to have something, you know, I like what, and soccer isn't the only thing that does this in Europe. Domestic or uh, domestic basketball leagues within Europe do this as well. Spain. Italy, France, Germany, etc. Uh, they have a tournament that basically, you know, like the top eight teams in the league qualify for, and they play a, a single elimination tournament amongst those eight teams over All Star Weekend, and that's their domestic cup competition. So I would love to see something like that in the NBA. Something that's that's you know, those like I said, and I know it's a little bit different the way Arsenal did it with those FA Cup runs, but that was that was a lot of fun, man, to see them at least win something knowing that they weren't going to be able to hold up over the course of a long Premier League season and win, and they certainly weren't going to go and win in Champions League. Um, yeah, so I hope I hope that happens in the NBA. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, well, sitting at the top of the table. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> I know. Well, and you don't have to worry about uh, Liverpool anymore. They're done for the year. <laughs> Already, huh? I think the Terminator actually feels that way, basically. Yeah, I'm sure he it's does. got the tickets, so. Okay. Well, right, who who whose side did you have on Handshake Gate? On Handshake Gate <laughs> with the con- oh, did it? you not watch? Did you watch oh, Tommy, Tommy, Tommy and Tommy, on Tommy Tuchel the other day? Yeah. Uh, well, obviously, I mean, I'm not going to have the side of anything re- related to Tottenham. That's what so. I'm talking about. That was a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good answer. <laughs> yeah. So I'm coming down on I'm coming down on Thomas Tuchel's side on that. Exactly. Totally. Yeah, all right. I have look at me in the eyes, sir. Look at me in the eyes. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. So I have when you shake hands, you look in the eyes. There's no I problem. One, yeah, one, no problem. That one question today. before we run out of time. Um, we're, we're not gonna run out of time. We're good, man. We're good. My my comment is thank you for the uh, restaurant recommendation in Boston. The Italian spot, I can't remember the name of it right now, but uh that was delicious. Off air. Wonderful. Wonderful. Um, so uh, let's see. Did uh, I think I probably would have told you maybe Brecchio or uh, gosh, what's the name of the place that Coop and I? Oh, Giacomo's. It was uh, Strega. Strega. Okay, Strega is a very good spot as well. Yes, yep. it was. Yep. I ended up yep. going twice. 
So thanks for that. That was great. You got it. Yeah, there's uh, the north end of Boston. If we're getting back, circling back into travel discussion, the north end of Boston. <laughs> it all goes back to travel. <laughs> well, I, I was trying to, Brad, I was trying to work that in, and then you segued into basketball really quick. So. <laughs> well, get your Boston <laughs> shit in fast. <laughs> I was one. We were we're about to get into Roman Reigns versus John. Uh, I was about to say Johnny Omega. It was Kenny Omega, but whatever. All right, go go for your wrestling then. Okay. Are are you Jake? You don't have anything to say about this? He, he his his uh, wrestling no. talk stops at 1998 WCW. That's all it stops. No, There's nothing yeah, else to talk. It all comes to an end at the Monday Night Wars. Exactly. It's just like he's asked if Bill Goldberg is still around. And... Yeah, once Goldberg got screwed in uh, <laughs> what SummerSlam against Kevin Nash. With the <laughs> That's right. The uh, was, that was such a bullshit thing. I know. I was so pissed. Scott yeah, Hall. The crazy, the crazy thing about it, Jacob, is that Goldberg still wrestles every once in a while. Yeah. That's awesome. whenever the Saudis yeah. pay him. Yes. Yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's like the live version. Yes, of professional wrestling. Yes, they actually, that's they WWE started the whole thing before. I cannot believe. Go ahead. I cannot yeah. believe I'm 36 years old and Goldberg's still wrestling. And yeah, I'm still like, no, that, it's it's insane. Well, it's even funnier. Like uh, uh, Ray Mysterio wrestles, and he wrestles with yeah. his kid. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Ray Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio. And the funny thing about it, Jacob, is people have been predicting for about six months to a year that they're going to heel turn mm -hmm. this kid, Dominic Mysterio, and there's going to end up being some sort of like, you know, Ray versus Dominic feud or something like that. But nice. uh, and it seemed like it was almost going to happen with uh you know dominic was going to end up joining judgment day, but then yeah. that never materialized. Oh, look, he so, he does know most modern wrestling. I love it. I love yeah. it. Hey, Jay, if you're listening to this right now, get on the... I, we had another guy who couldn't make it on, and maybe he will here in a little bit, but uh, he's a he's our wrestling uh, aficionado. I'm, I'm only... Yeah, uh, let me... Uh, you, you guys got up to get a drink a minute ago. Let me get up and turn the light on here. Are you Hold good? On. <laughs> this is live, guys. This is live. All right. All right, live. All right. I need a drink. No, yeah. Go ahead, Jacob. You I need do, probably... but I'll have to, I'll have to wait. Well, uh, yeah, the, I could tell we were getting uh, the sun's gone down, so we were losing our light here in the wind. It is a little light there. Um, no, it, it is funny. It did it did turn out like where Rey Mysterio and Dominic are going to start fighting, but it just started sounding like a teenager. Like Dominic, go to bed. He's like, I don't want to, Dad. Like, leave me alone. <laughs> just like, all right, guys. Like, we got something better than this. But um, so you still do watch modern wrestling right now like yeah, in and yeah, out so, okay in, in and out on it i mean not watching every program but it's hard I love, to. What a I love what aew has done um you know i love the storytelling that they're doing uh you know i love that you know they've they i i love that that cm punk was so taken with AEW. Are you really on your phone right now? Are we, are we Jacob is not going to listen to any of this. Sorry, my my brain just shut off. Well, I, I, I will be I will be relatively uh, succinct. No, that's a hard thing you to do. you, you oh, elaborate on on your this feelings was, on AEW versus. No, no, I have nothing. You need to elaborate on your on your feelings with WWE and, and AEW, and I will push back here in a second. I love that CM Punk has come, you know, uh, was so taken with AEW that it got him back into wrestling. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm a big fan of John Moxley and, you know, Moxley and all that, that he brings to the table. Uh, I love the Blackpool Combat Club and that sort of that, that direction they've gone with things in AEW. 
Uh, I think it's cool that they're weaving in uh, Ring of Honor and New Japan. Now, there is obviously an argument that perhaps they're going to water things down and there's going to be too many storylines and too many angles and too many people that are involved that only like the really serious marks know anything about and the casual fan doesn't know a whole lot about. And so, um, you know, I do think that's probably something that they're going to have to kind of find the right balance for at some point in time. But I do love a lot of the things that AEW does from a storytelling standpoint and you know, Jericho is always going to bring something, you know, there's always going to be something great when Jericho is involved because he's such an incredible performer and so good on the mic and, you know, can can be a great face or he can be a great or even better heel. So, you know, he does so many great things. Uh, you know, I'm disappointed. I thought more I thought more and bigger things were going to happen with Adam Cole and it still ultimately might. Uh, but I just think, you know, he's so over in terms of, you know, he's he's so entertaining in the ring and people love his bits. And even though he's, you know, he's he's a heel, uh, you know, there is still still something very entertaining about what he does. So that's kind of my general thought on AEW. I like the storytelling and am a fan more so week in, week out of what they're doing. Now, of course, the wild card with WWE is this. Now Triple H is in charge of creative. Uh, Vince is out. Uh, it's a shame it took the you know horrible uh, situations that it did take you know to come to light before that finally got Vince out of there. But Triple H being involved in creative, I think, is you know a tremendous thing, and and, and things are going to push forward in a really they already are, and they're going to push forward in a really unique way in WWE. Now I will say this: I'm not a huge fan of. To me, the hottest crowd pops and reactions the shows ever had were whenever you felt like that, you know, when when the title was changing hands frequently. And so mm. the title being unified and reigns in this like 700 day run or whatever the hell it is now. He's had one belt for two years and another belt for over a year. Uh, to me, I don't think that that's. You know, and maybe I'm in the minority on this. I don't know. And the fact that they've unified, you know, this whole thing with the bloodline. I mean, I get that how factions can be popular and that that's something that can really, you know, be something that can put a company on a good run for a long period of time. But I thought the hottest stage of the company was and I hate to be sound like the old guy who said it was better in this day. But the attitude era, whenever the title would change hands frequently and. You know, like, like to me, this is frustrating, Brad, that I know as a fan, other than like, I guess the title changed hands on a Raw episode early in 2021 when Lashley beat Miz. You know, they took the belt off Drew McIntyre. Mm. Uh, Miz had it for a couple of weeks because he cashed in money in the bank. And then Lashley beat him on Raw like after two weeks. You know, they just gave Miz like this little transitional two-week title run. Uh, but to me... When you know that more than likely belts of significance, world titles, are only going to change hands at WrestleMania or SummerSlam or maybe one other significant pay-per-view over the course of the year, it's never going to happen on Raw, it's never going to happen on a lower-level, more minor pay-per-view, you know that booking is going to limit when the belt, you know, belt's not going to change at the Royal Rumble. Because the Royal Rumble is about who's going to win and building towards WrestleMania at that point. So you're not going to take the belt off somebody at the Royal Rumble and put it on someone else. 
So I think there's a predictability and a staleness in what's going on from that perspective in WWE right now. Yeah, and I, I can speak to a little bit about Roman Reigns. Uh, is undeniably, the dude is over. I understand you're thinking of, of being staleness, but his he's obviously has found his own right now. He's yeah, he's he's yeah the the transition from turn you know from his face days and everybody booing him and the shields and all that other shit yeah affiliating him with the Usos and Paul Heyman mm-hmm. and acknowledge me and the bloodline I mean it's been yeah look it's been great it's been no successful it really has but I I actually do get your point that yeah dude it's been a long run but you know that's and I don't know what's going to happen in the future but it's like if you're going to take it off a of Roman you better put it on someone else that fucking like can handle that, that run. And there's like really only one other dude who can do that. I mean, yeah. on the roster, I mean, Brock Lesnar is the only one who, and the only, the only issue with him is that he's kind of, he's a part timer and he's, he's going to show up uh, sure. only a handful of times throughout the year. So yeah, I mean, I, look, maybe, maybe I am too nostalgic and maybe I don't, you know, look when, when the title was bouncing around and changing hands a lot, I mean, look at what you had then. Yeah, but Austin, you, you got to be careful with that, though, too. The Undertaker. Yeah. Uh, man, you know, Foley and whatever incarnation he was in. Mankind, Dude Love, Cactus Jack, whatever it was. You are nostalgic, but think about how many of those dudes were over. I mean, they yeah, those yeah. dudes were over. I mean, white, yeah. white hot. Whereas yeah. you have Roman Reigns and no one else wants to step up. No one else is, is, is throwing it around. And again, there's no CM Punk. I, I don't, you know, I'm not as hot on AEW as you are. I think there are parts like when AEW first started, I was like, oh, this is, this can't be too bad just for in a sense of like competition's good and we do need more wrestling on television in a sense of like, we, you yeah. need, you need your to point, have, your point you, is right. Competition you, is good. You need to have that pressure. But then there's times where I'm like, it seems to me like, man, Tony Khan actually know how to run a wrestling company instead of like, there's some instances where I'm like, he he almost has too many toys and doesn't know what he wants to do with them. In some sense, it's overwhelming. You know, yes. To my point earlier about they're mixing in ring of honor and new Japan and the guys that wrestle for those, those promotions are very talented. I've been to a New Japan show when New Japan was at American Airlines Center about three or four years ago. Really? Uh, and it was great. Absolutely loved it. You know, it was, it, was, it was an awesome show. And when their shows were on uh, Axis television, you know, more frequently when JR and, uh, gosh, I forgot the guy. Josh uh, Barnett, so. wasn't it? Josh Barnett. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, when, those, there. when those guys were doing the shows two yeah. years ago, man, I thought, or three, four years ago, whenever it was before the, before the pandemic kicked in, yeah. man, I thought that was some great television and I really enjoyed watching it. And Kenny Omega was over there and was, you know, wrestling Okada, you know, uh, you know, all those guys, they was just, it was really, really good, man. Loved it. Loved it. But, but I do think, yeah, your, your, your point is right. That, that it almost has given them too many toys to play with. And there is a, problem a potential problem on the horizon about watering down the product yeah and the product not having like a more uh just a uh the direction coalescing you know and kind of going 
you know, we're all kind of going this way. It's like, you know, it's like the new Japan guys over here. Yeah, you're like, well, I, can't, I can't deal yeah. with it all. And it's like, and then. Oh, but, and but, I, but, but hey, let me say this. Let me ahead. say this one thing. And this may get Jacob to watch. You know who's in <laughs> AEW right now, Jacob? No, you don't. <laughs> I know who it is. I know who's going to talk. Yeah. Sotnam Singh, Jacob. Former Maverick great, Sotnam Singh. No is wrestling in AEW right now. They introduced him as a monster heel. Gosh, what is it? Three or four months ago. Yeah. Uh, it was very awkward, too. Like, he comes out and, like, Excalibur and Tony Schiavone are like, who is this big guy? Wait, that's Sotnam Singh. And then somebody goes, the basketball player? Like, like Tony Schiavone says, he wearing a mask And then Excalibur's like, the basketball player? And it's like, who refers to him as a basketball player? He played is he like wearing a Mavs jersey when he comes to the ring. No, he's not. He played like 15 games with a legend, so it's kind of weird that they <laughs> like like the whole setup of it of selling it was really weird when they introduced him. But uh, yeah, he's uh, he's partnering up with Jay Lethal. Yeah, but the problem is they're they're making him out to be like a like not a killer. They got him in as a comedy heel thing. I don't know what the hell. It yeah, <laughs> it needs some it needs some work. If he partners up with Mark Cuban, I'll watch. <laughs> I think I feel like that at least just Tottenham Singh's presence alone should get you to watch sometime. I was a big Tottenham Singh fan. <laughs> yeah, we we had. I don't believe that's the case. We I had his jersey. You, I think that you would appreciate. A, you know, this is this is your chance to get hey, back into it a little I, bit because I, I it's enjoy a bit. wrestling. I just don't have the bandwidth for it. You don't like, have the band. Is already pushing it. Yeah. I understand. Like, I, I I understand lack of bandwidth. I did watch. Uh, I watched about twenty minutes of WrestleMania. It was fairly entertaining. I thought the final fight was pretty boring, but you know the spectacle. Which one? The cool. uh, Roman Reigns. The Reigns Lesnar on Sunday night. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was boring. No. Okay, it wasn't great. The first night was better. I was about to say that. Yeah, so the Kevin I, Owens I and Stone Cold. Experience. I took away from WrestleMania. Um, I said, I wish I would have watched more WrestleMania. So I went to the first night and I had a friend lined up to go and uh, he got sick. Oh, dude, you should have called me. Damn it. Well, I'm sorry I didn't call you. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) Stepping up to the plate to go to WrestleMania was my wife. And she said, well, you shouldn't go by yourself. And I said, honey, I'm totally comfortable going by myself. And she said, no, that's sad that you would go by. Your, you can't go by yourself. So she went to go to WrestleMania with me. And at the end of the night, at some point, probably somewhere like around 20 or 30 minutes left in the night, she turned to me and she said, it concerns me that you're part of this. <laughs> she kind of was looking at the crowd and, and just taking in the whole scene at some point late in the night. She said, it concerns me that you're part of this. Yeah, so and yeah. it should, but we're gonna do it anyways. You know, <laughs> I could be, have something. I could yeah. be at the bar right now. Why don't you like? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I could be just doing some really bad stuff right now. Is this is the worst <laughs> thing I'm doing. I'm doing all right. Yeah. yeah, that's a great point. I'm gonna use that argument. Uh, it's the worst thing I'm doing, and everything's good. Yeah, I mean that's that's not too bad. No, and another thing I was gonna add. So and again, I'm not saying it's ruined anything because I do watch AEW. It does. Uh, illuminate some things, but I do listen to the old Jim Cornette podcast. Yeah, he hates on everything. He man. he does hate. It is a little bit of a gimmick, but he makes really really good points on some of these things because, in a sense, 
And you could already tell the the narrative's kind of changing. And I always and, I, and when AEW started initially, I was like, guys, I'm telling you, the worst thing that AEW can do in like doing all this is try to compete with the WWE. It just doesn't need to happen. Just do your brand of of wrestling and don't even. And I wouldn't even really acknowledge them either. You know. You yep. can maybe do like little hints, but like, fuck them. They're doing goofy shit over here. We're doing the serious wrestling stuff and we're doing a good right. show. Da, 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 da. Like pay attention to us. Don't worry about them. You know, yes, I agree with that hundred percent, you know? Yeah. And, and I'm like, like you, you can subtly do it. Like, uh, uh, Jericho did it in a promo last year. And, uh, I believe, and I can't remember who it was. He was, was he referring to Jake Hager? And he said, you know, we're going to call him by his name, Jake Hager. He's not Jack Swagger. That was a, a, an idea by stupid. That was a dumb idea by stupid creative. <laughs> you know, like if you like, I can't remember who if it, or it was somebody else. There was somebody that he referenced. We're going to refer to him as this. We're not going to refer to him as what he was referred to in another organization with a dumb idea by creative. Yeah. Uh, those kind of digs like Jericho can pull off anything. For sure. But when you're organizing, you know, Jericho can do his own thing. But I think you're right that I think that you need to do your show and not a show that you're trying to use as a competition or, you know, that you're that you're trying to like you want to be an alternative. Yes. Yeah. But you don't want to be like throwing your hat into this competitive ring because that's ultimately kind of what tore down what uh, Jacob used to watch, which was Nitro. Or, I mean, look at what happened at TNA. They tried to do a lot of those things where they were we're going to take down WWE and it's yeah. like, guys, you're not like, it's never yeah. going to happen. Like, don't even try it. Put on a good program, build yourself up and yes. go. And I, this is, 100%. here's what was really illuminating to me. So, you know, uh, just like every other sports, these TV deals are coming up. Right. Have you actually looked at the chart? I, I couldn't find it if I tried, but it's, you know, uh, you know, AEW is coming up and mm-hmm. you know, their deal is supposed to like quadruple. But it's quadrupling from like forty-four million dollars to like one hundred and twenty or something like that. And WWE's is supposed to go down up a little bit, but theirs is like, oh my god, it's 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 a crazy amount. Like I, I think right. it was like five or six hundred million or something. Like, I mean, even something crazier wow. than that. I mean, it's it's an insane wow. number. So you mm-hmm. look at what you're competing against, and it's like you're not even a you're not even a competition. You're not. You're you're in a competition like, and and I just heard uh, CM Punk the other day go, uh, no, AEW is viable, but it's not a viable threat to WWE. Like you're not going to put WWE out of business. They have too much, you know, lineage and everything else back with it. You're not going to you're not going to take them out of business. It's just yeah. not going to happen. So I on- think that's yeah. I think I I hope that they continue to 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 maintain that to it. You know, yeah. obviously, you know, the contract situation with MJF, you know, how that's all going to end up settling itself, you know, and I haven't seen what the latest. That guy's really that, good. But, I'll tell you right now, MJF is fucking really good. Dude, unbelievable how good that guy is. See, that's how, you know, Cornette doesn't just hate on everything because that is the one dude he rarely talks bad about. Yeah. He never yeah. T- He's like, 
him take half? That some bitch is good. I like that. <laughs> He's just like, <laughs> like he loves MJF. So I okay, mean, well, I feel bad, man, that Jacob can't say anything. So we dude, okay, all right. Well, that was the wrestling talk. But uh, yes. let's, well, Jacob, do you have anything else to to? I enjoyed. I enjoyed chopping that up with you, though, Brad. Yeah, I know, no, dude. I'm I'm glad y'all enjoyed it. It's fun to watch people be interesting, interested in things, even if I'm not. Dude. Uh, well, I appreciate you saying that. Uh, that yeah. and, and you're right, man. Yeah, don't uh, – don't. if somebody's got passion for something, man, nurture that. Yeah, that's fun. No, um, no I, was, I was taking a funny picture, so I put on an extra sour face. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, took a, I should have taken a picture of you uh, absolutely bailing out of wrestling talk. That was pretty great. I took one. That's what I was doing. Yeah. I was exaggerating my disinterest, my – and took a screenshot. <laughs> well, I, thank you for humoring Mark, uh, Mark yep. with Jacob not having any interest in that. I no, no, like, I, I needed I, that. I have any appreciation for my former love for the sport, so guys? You, you have to understand, like everything in life right now is pro wrestling. Everything, everyone's trying just, to put themselves over. You know, as our wrestling, I just don't have the time for it. I understand, no. but uh, I do. I, I totally respect the concept of bandwidth and not having enough bandwidth for all the things that are out there and so yeah. things so I'm so really, like I'm like okay so i'm gonna pull a stern and say yeah. bring it back to sports mm-hmm. so i'll i'll as we get to the end of our time together i'll bounce this one out at you as something like i have not had a chance to have this conversation with very many people about bandwidth uh regarding mm-hmm. baseball so mm. like i don't like i don't know where you guys are on watching the rangers or baseball in general you know, and I did go to games when they were playing the NLCS and the World Series out at the New Globe Life Field a couple of years ago. That was really cool. But between the heartbreak of 2011 and then kind of like coaxing, getting back excited again when Danny and those guys made their run in 2015, and then you go up 2-0 against the Blue Jays and lose that series you know, and the way that they lost it with that insanity that happened with Jose Bautista in game five, you know, so those were two baseball related heartbreaks that really were hard to get over. And then the other thing too is, and I don't, you know, I'm not against in any way, shape or form analyzing anything with next level stats, but Mm -hmm. you know, I've enjoyed watching the Ken Burns baseball documentary that they've been replaying and it's done now. It just ended last week. But each Wednesday night on Channel 13, I kind of got into it in the middle of it, but they replayed on Wednesday nights the episodes of the Ken Burns baseball documentary uh, this summer. And it was fun to watch that because it was baseball that was talked about in the language that I was fluent in in baseball. And that's, of course, you know, batting average, home runs, RBIs, ERA, pitcher wins, all those sorts of things. And now that it's, you know, so much of what happens is talking about, and again, these things aren't bad. It's just, you know, to Jacob's point about bandwidth, number one, I've had to deal with these two major heartbreaks. We all have, not just, I'm not alone in this boat, obviously. Any of us who are you know, sure. Rangers have had to deal with that. And that, you know, I mean, a little piece of you, like if you're really, really into it, like a little piece of your baseball heart dies when something like yeah. that happens. For and, sure. then, and then you go to the point of, the game is being discussed in a language that I don't have fluency in and I don't have the bandwidth to invest the time to get fluent in it between, uh, you know, war and BABIP and launch angles and, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, I obviously understand it some, to some degree, but don't have like the, 
the working knowledge to understand the applications of all of it. So the point of all of this is, is like on the whole bandwidth discussion, man, I don't hardly ever watch baseball anymore. And it's sad that that's, that's the thing that has been compromised by a lack of bandwidth. But you no, know, there is a reason yeah. because I kind of laid the groundwork for them. You'll have to give college baseball a shot. You know, you're talk- not the only person to tell me that. We, we talked well, about it last I think time. The last person, I think the last person to tell you was me 12 months oh. ago. <laughs> I think it was. Okay, we did. We said, you need to watch it. And I actually agreed. I agreed too. Yeah, it's my favorite. It's actually my favorite. Jacob, Jacob has a podcast strictly about uh, TCU baseball. So yeah, well, TCU Athletics probably so specializes in baseball. Yeah. Okay, so are, are college baseball broadcasts still dealing with the language of baseball that we grew up with or yeah no they there's no way to really measure college baseball in the way that um that you measure major league baseball because of um so many well because you have so many teams nobody plays the same schedule yeah um so it's you could probably do it within conference there's actually a friend of mine who we're working on that together to kind of dig deeper into stats when it comes to just conference play because yeah, to be those, able to do teams play each other they're who's similar leading, who's leading yeah. the big 12 in ops exactly right yeah. maybe developing a formula for war on a college level within conference play but yeah right. for the most part it's it's pretty simple stats well the old miss oklahoma final was on my radar and it was really good the last game of yeah. it was really exciting and uh it's it becomes more exciting if you kind of follow it um, like maybe even starting within with the conference tournaments and then there's a selection show, there's a field of 64 and then they go through the whole tournament before you get down to the final eight and then the final two. Yeah. I've so watched a few. Through. I mean, I, I, there yeah. were regionals and super regionals that I would, you know, yeah. pay passing attention to. Yeah. It's, it's just a really neat sport, especially if you're affiliated with a school. I know UNT doesn't have baseball, but if yeah. you know, there was a school you kind of pull for on the side, then if you watch them, yeah, who, you know, yeah, Alabama. You know, now I'm an Alabama. Yeah, they, they, in grad they, school there. So I'm, yeah, I'm driving. Kinda, they, I'm driving Damaris crazy with that. That I latched on to Alabama so. sports at 51 years old because I'm in grad school. Yeah, um, the problem with Alabama is they just play in the most loaded conference. So, um, which is kind of weird to say about Alabama since they dominate football. Right. But, yeah, they'll have teams when they have a senior team. They'll be pretty good. Uh, they can compete. They just play in just a super hard conference. So. Sure, but, sure. Yeah, I mean, like Tennessee was really Tennessee was very, very good this year. I know that. Exactly. I think they were like, yeah, yeah they were. Arkansas, they were nice out. Ole Miss won the Natty. Mississippi State won it last year. Uh, Florida right. is always really good. It's just a super loaded conference. Aggie was good this year. But, LSU is typically good, right? Uh, typically, yeah. Um, they've gone through a coaching change recently, but yeah, they're really good. Uh, they'll be super talented next year. They they're bringing in just. I think they were number one recruiting class coming in. So okay. And they had a lot of transfers too. But if you're an SEC guy, then you'll just love the sport in general. Even if Alabama isn't, you know, at the top of the rankings, it'll be right. fun watching all the other teams play. Well, I, uh, I I will definitely, and I know that this always was a dismissive thing to say when Ryan said it, but I will definitely take it under advisement, and I mean that. And, sure. I mean, I'm not a, a non-dismiss. I mean that in a non-dismissive. Yeah, I am. I am yeah. definitely not a please like my sport guy yeah. because when that happens then ticket prices go up so. <laughs> i don't that's know i just that that was you bring up the whole like bandwidth thing yeah and that's like the best story i mean it's a sad story but it's the best story i have about bandwidth in life is that i you know it's it's sad to me that baseball that was such an important part of my life at one point in time 
that that's been lost to bandwidth for a number of reasons. Well, you're yeah. talking to yeah. me and Jacob. We, we played baseball in high school together, like, and right. the Rangers were our lives. And now, yeah. and now Rangers aren't even on the blip on the screen really no, much I've, anymore. I've taken all that energy and put it into college baseball. Yeah. Is yeah. your energy invested in the same way, Brad? Uh, not in college baseball. No, God. No, <laughs> God. It's been interesting with Brad. He's kind of withdrawn from sports entirely. Yeah, for sure. Not, not entirely, but relatively speaking from sure. the way we all used to be. Sure. Um, and he's put it more into what, like politics, world events, things like that. Yeah, I don't know where it where it's really gone. It's It's, you know, then it's work and then there's family and then there's, yeah. I mean, ba- I mean. It is, I was like, if an alien came upon us and they can go, so where are all the smart, what are all the groups of people cut? And it's like, oh, they're at this big stadium over here. What are they doing? They're playing games. It's like, who fucking cares? Like no one, I mean, it doesn't matter, you know, you know, and all these smart people, we don't even, we don't even pay attention. I, I think I go more towards like philosophy of some sorts of just, of, yeah. you know, how, how to think of of life and all that, you know, that's pretty interesting where, you know, like it's interesting to, you know, and and I did have it a little bit. I'm not saying I was heartbroken when the Mavs like lost against golden state, but I was like, Oh, that sucked. But then it was like, you know, like the Cowboys lose right now a game and it was really close. It literally 10 years ago, it would have been heartbroken now. eh, Okay. What else is on? Is there anything else on today? I mean, it's just, it's, it's nothing. And it just doesn't hurt me anymore. You know, yeah. it's, they can't hurt me anymore. In some ways, that's a good place to be. Yeah. Yeah. No, because yeah. I hate I, the heartbreak is, is really, it really does weigh on you. It really does. I hate to say it. Like, no. It's, no, it's, that, it's, that, uh, it's that, tough. I, I, I dealt with it after the 06 finals. And fortunately there was a happy ending mm-hmm. to all of that, but it doesn't always happen yeah. like that. <laughs> I, I don't think, you know, you, you guys can understand it, but you know, if somebody wasn't around here, I just, it's, it's hard to put into words the devastation of, of October, 2011 and game six. And, you know, I mean, that's, that's a sad way to end the podcast, but you know, those things were just, I mean, they just, like I said, I mean, I, I don't mean to over dramatize it, but a little piece of your baseball, a little piece of your sports heart dies. When they and I think well, I also tell y'all, I can tell y'all about the 2016 TC baseball team, if you want and depress you even more. <laughs> no, no, We don't want that. Uh, no, but I, I think it's also, um, uh, I, I don't, um, I mean, I've been there in, I'm trying to think of a, a good year, quote unquote, a good year, like 2006, 2007, Texas Rangers, when I was in a ballpark with, you know, 5,000 of my closest friends type thing. And, you know, mm-hmm. I was there during really bad baseball. I was there. Right. And, yeah. but now my attitude of like, I'm not watching bad baseball anymore. No, I'm not either. I, I didn't, right. it, you know, if, I hate to say it, and I maybe I you know back in the day I was like, oh, you're all just bandwagons, and I was like, well, no, I'm I'm not going to just watch your game just because you you know you're the team I grew up with. You've got to go out there and put a good team out there, please, yeah, it's, Brad. It's not see that's what pe- people say bandwagon. It's not bandwagon. That means you're just jumping from team to team. But, yeah, but fair weather fan is I think the best way to be. Like I'll be there to celebrate, but I'm not going to be there and die when we suck. Yeah. 
if you, I mean, if uh, name your favorite director and you loved all of their work and then they put up a, just a crappy movie and you're just like, am I just going to just watch this movie because I like all of your movies? No. You, Quentin Tarantino. Right. I was going to say that one. Even, sure. though, he, even okay. though he hasn't done one. Um, nobody got any on that? Okay. <laughs> I got nothing. Okay. I I think maybe there's, uh, you know, obviously, obviously anything could happen. Maybe the thing that's different about games than a movie is that the team can be bad, but any, you know, you never know when uh, somebody's going to hit for the cycle or a no hitter or, uh, you know, there's just, there's going to be a, like a really unique moment in a game. Whereas like a, a movie is just one entity that's going to happen for two hours mm-hmm. and a baseball season or basketball season or whatever. There's just, there's the potential for, even if the team is bad, there's still the potential for intriguing, exciting moments over the course of a long season. For sure. So that would be my one, that would be the one thing I would say that probably makes it different and why I'm still at least uh, willing to watch a team that's not good if I'm invested in the team. Yeah. Well, so, for sure. But if you have a team that is actively trying, like well, you shouldn't be obligated yeah. to to be to call yourself yeah. a fan. Come on, man. That's you're gonna watch this team. I know they're. I know they went zero and ten right yeah. now. But you know, you gotta keep watching them. It's like, no, we're not gonna do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah okay. If you weren't watching them when they suck, you don't get to celebrate. <laughs> watch me. Watch yeah, me I will. <laughs> I will be up in there. and be like, I was yeah. there every game. Yeah. <laughs> Sir Alex Ferguson wouldn't have liked you, Jacob. He was the uh, one. He, yeah, he was famous at Manchester United for saying, uh, "Don't support us when we win if you can't support us when we're losing." Of course, well, they didn't lose very much, but uh, can't yeah. stop me. But Jacob yeah. is just gonna double bird. Whatever. I'm not watching. Yeah. I'm not I'll watching. <laughs> okay, uh, Mark. We have one thing last to end on. Uh, I, so in the open, we actually did get a small clip of you on the last podcast. Whenever I, I mentioned okay. that I was a basketball dumb guy and you said okay. on a dumb podcast. So we want to go a little further on this, but uh, we, if you, can you pull up the chat on there or can you see that? I wrote something. Uh, yeah. I, wrote, I wrote something so, for you to say. I wrote you for uh, something for yeah, you to say. Liner? It's not a okay. liner. Yeah, it's, it. it's just yeah, like a, it. you know, but we okay. all have to be quiet. It's a bad radio liner. It's not. Re- I mean, it's not yeah, wacky. Just get it by yourself. And, it's not uh, wacky. Okay, it's just <laughs> you know. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So Jacob, don't talk. I don't have to mute you. Okay. Tell me. Tell me when to not talk. Okay. Like, not talk right now. Or. I was just about to remove you from the phone call, but go ahead. Go ahead, Mark. <laughs> My name is Mark Fallowill. You're listening to another dumb podcast. These guys are freaking morons. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> All right, Mark. Well, we appreciate you. 2023. I'll uh, be sure to see you. Okay. All right. Next year. Yes. All right. Have a good one, Mark. All right, fellas. Take care. Have a great night, and we'll do it again. See you, sir. Brand new bitch got a heart. Brand new clock I adore. Have a nigga running like Forrest. VIP, I'm very important. In the hood, I ain't never no Taurus. Got the drop on the eye. We door explored. Why she from the streets? Why she run the jig? Why she lit? Why she start a business with your bitch? 50 bitches flew to Cabo. Why she a trip? Why she think he Kanye West? He got his own kicks. Whoa. Fresh out of pandemic, but I ain't rusty. Whoa. Have a baby by me, bitch. Come be lucky. Whoa. 
Bitch, I'ma throw it all. All the strippers love me. Whoa, walking best dress, but I ain't no kid cutting. Girl, did he just say what I think he just said? Bitch, yes. Talking like you lit, your bitch better not be ugly. Pull up with a tenner, waist slim, ass chubby. Half a million on my neck, who gon' take it from me? Pussy, we ballin' on you fucking dummies. Scared money, don't make no money. Scared money, don't make no money. Scared money, don't make no money. Pussy, we ballin' on you fucking dummies. I'm so lit, sports center, gotta post my clips. One layup and they treat me like I'm Luka Doncic. Two six, nigga, and we used to conflict. Tony brand new YG sneakers in the Louboutin kicks. Red bottoms, cause the blood bled out them all down. If I miss them 400, red bottom all down. I was thinking about walking up a stack of